speak, O Lord, until we are perfectly obedient. Speak, O God, until we are more convinced by what you say than what we say. Talk to us um, today until what we've been told by any other person diminishes at the sound of your voice. Communicate with us this morning, Holy Spirit. Until we are changed by what you say. There may be somebody here today who needs something particular and we always need particular things. And you have the ability to reach us, to talk to our heads, to speak to our hearts. So do that today. Wherever we've come from, you have been there. Wherever we're headed, you are present. Train us in the truth of your presence from before our beginnings to after our endings. Train us to believe that you can be trusted to show up because you've never not been present. Envelop us this morning as a church in the always attentive presence of Jesus. We come from so many different experiences to worship. And each one of us, whether we name it or not, stand and sit in dependence of you. Take our worries, take our burdens, take our questions, take our prayer requests, take the prayers we can't pray anymore. these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Good morning, church. God bless you. Uh, it's good to see all of you, whether you have been away for a while or whether you're here all the time. Uh, I am glad to be talking this morning about spiritual gifts, and um, I'm going to be building on uh, the, the immediate work of Pastor Caitlin from last week. Um, and, excuse me, the, the sort of overarching uh, sermon series of Jesus Continued on the Holy Spirit uh, that we've been going through over the summer months. And as I go into this sermon, I'm, I'm afraid to say this because every time I say it, it ends up being a lie. But I really don't think this sermon is going to be long this morning. Uh, uh, so I won't be before you long, church. Uh, uh, and yet, uh, you know, who knows? But, but I want to build on uh, Pastor Caitlin's message. And, and as I get into the message, I want to I note this word spiritual in spiritual gifts. Because some of you who are unfamiliar with spiritual gifts in general uh, may be put off by this word. And this word spiritual. Because spiritual can get a bad rap. It can be misunderstood. We can be fooled by the word. And, and spiritual in the language of uh, Ephesians chapter 4 where we will go is simply another word for the Holy Spirit. It, it means, and how I'll be using it today, is Holy Spirit given. So, so when you see the phrase spiritual gifts, what I'd like you to be thinking about um, is Holy Spirit given gifts. Spiritual is not something to scare you. It's not something that is unapproachable. It's not something that's immediately and inherently and everlastingly mysterious. It's not invisible. It's not uh, something that we can't discern or observe or understand to some degree. Now, to the extent that we can understand anything about the Holy Spirit, and we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit matters for our lives. So I hope those of you who have been here will understand when I say you can understand things about the Spirit, you can embrace things about the Holy Spirit, you can live into things about the Holy Spirit, and so Holy Spirit given gifts sits in that stream of things that are for us that are very understandable very approachable of course that doesn't mean we will be able to understand everything about the gifts of the spirit but, but that's true about anything with respect to the Holy Spirit but I don't want you to be put off by this word spiritual. I think sometimes it's hard for people to use the word spiritual because you don't, you don't know how to measure it or handle it or you get scared by it or other people freak out about it. And sometimes what that means is we water down the Holy Spirit given gifts because we don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit part of life. We'd rather talk about gifts, right? Leave that Holy Spirit-given stuff off. Because the Holy Spirit-given part is problematic. 
my encouragement to us this morning is everything about the Holy Spirit is always problematic. (laughs) And everything about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives is still worth our claiming that these things come from a problematic God. Okay? That they come from a God who resists our boxes, and our lines doesn't stop us from trying to understand and grapple with and get behind and appreciate, right? Doesn't stop us from those things, but keeps us humble enough to say, this is not a gift that you got on your own. This particular grace that we're talking about is not something that you can go to Psych 335 or Social Work 454 or Calculus 619 or any other smart class you can go to to say, I learned it, I studied it, I did my homework, and therefore I am good at this. There are some things that come to us from the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope you get a sense of the distinction I'm setting up here because I'm, I'm going to go back to the notes, the words that I sort of said I would say. But, 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 but I'm setting up a distinction here because for the purposes of what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll try to stay in that, there's several areas in Scripture in Romans, Corinthians, 1 Peter, that talks about spiritual gifts. They all give lists of spiritual gifts, and they do slightly different things in those passages, and you should go to them, read them, study them. Part of what I think Paul is doing in Ephesians chapter 4 is restricting us from talking about the talents you know that God gave you too because the talents that you have, the personality that you have, those are all God's gifts to you too. And that's true. So so on the one hand, I want to say, and I believe this, that your entire life is Holy Spirit given. Your entire life is given to you by God. Uh, So, you have to be humble about how much you can claim anyway. On the other hand, what I think Paul does here is narrow the scope to help us talk about a part of our entire life that the Holy Spirit gives us, and he names them spiritual gifts. So I'm going to walk away from this, what I think is true, this broader point that our entire existence is given to us by God as a gift. And so on one level, to talk about discovering your spiritual gifts is immediately to talk about Did you wake up this morning? Did you breathe? What did you do with your time? Your entire life is discovering your spiritual gifts. It is the gifts that the Spirit of God gave you, which is your life. Do you hear me, church? So that's the biggest, broadest piece, which should unleash you into a zone of 
confusion and wonder and praise and fear and excitement because what that means is regardless of what I will talk about today, which is a piece of that, everything you have is given to you by God as a gift. And so what? So what? So what will you do? So how will you live with that gift? So who will you be with that gift of your life? If God gave you your life, how will you live that life? You're discovering your spiritual gifts when you start answering that question. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking about Holy Spirit-given gifts for a particular purpose. Now, I, pr- I wrote down to say that some of us come to this notion of spiritual gifts and we get really clammed up because we don't see ourselves as gifted. Some of us, uh, and, and maybe there are only one or two in the room, some of us get, get really, really tentative about Holy Spirit-given gifts because we don't believe that we can be given gifts. There's somebody in here this morning who when I say out loud, when I whisper that God has given you a gift, you get immediately suspicious. Because you say to yourself, no, 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 Michael, you you don't know me. God couldn't give me a gift. God, God who knows me wouldn't know me and give me gifts. Of course, there's the other person who knows they're the most gifted person on the planet. That's a whole nother sermon, of course. But some of us really think it's impossible, impossible to be gifted by God. And if that's you this morning, I want to say to you to spend time in grace soaking up the good news that the same Holy Spirit who raises you from old sins, raises you from new sins, and gives you, produces in you, endows you with with gifts, with abilities, with skills, with talents that are from God. And I think this, 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 this can be misinterpreted, but when God gives gifts, God gives those gifts to people he knows. God knows you. God knows what you think about you. And yet God somehow stands outside of what you know about you and what you think about you and say, this is what I think of you. This is what I'm giving you. And it's a gift. It's a present. It's not always wonderfully wrapped. And sometimes we don't always want what God gives us, but it's from God. So this morning, this is the thing, the one thing I'm going to talk about. Here's the definition of spiritual 
gifts. Spiritual gifts are abilities, graces, and skills given by God for the church's good, growth, and unity. So if you want to finish the sermon early, really early, you could just stop listening now. Spiritual gifts are abilities, graces, and skills given by God for the church's good, growth, and unity. Here's our scripture passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I'll look at 11 and 12, maybe 13. So part of the uh, passages, part of the verses that Pastor Caitlin preached from last week, focusing in uh, on these. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is Ephesians 4. I want us to look at a kind of companion passage in 1 Peter 4. Uh, Peter's uh, admonition, his reminder is a little different. Listen here. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about 1 Peter, but I'll make one claim. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has gifted, as each has received a gift, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, so I read these two uh, to tell you that Peter in 1 Peter 4 is talking to early Christians about um, serving, using their gifts, in and outside of the faith community itself. Peter is talking about Christians living in a way that others can experience the variable, diverse, and beautiful grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, When Paul uses gifts, he discusses them as those Holy Spirit-given abilities, graces, and skills which are for the church. 
I have four points. This is the first one. Paul talks about specific gifts that come from Christ. Say the word Christ. Uh, You didn't know I was going to ask you that, so I'll tell you again. Say the word Christ. Jesus, who started the church, gave to it, produced in it, created gifts for it. Now, it's very important. It's simple, but it's important for us to understand because of what we do with these texts and what I'm going to do later with these texts. It's important to say that the gifts that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 do not come from church leaders, pastors like myself or Pastor Caitlin, leadership teams and church boards, Uh, directors of ministry, leaders in local churches, church planters, do not come up with the gifts for the church. The person who comes up with the gifts for the church is the Lord of the church, who is Jesus Christ. Now, church leaders throughout the centuries will, will, will use this passage and those gifts in those local churches that Jesus Christ places in the church. But it's important that we anchor our work and our attempts to listen to the scripture and our, our attempts to try to stay with the word of God, that we anchor it in the truth, in the centrality of Christ's blessing for the church. It has to be true or we're just asking people to do things. If it's not true that the gifts come from Jesus Christ, we're spinning our wheels, asking people to do just like everybody else doing something good or admirable or inspiring in the world. There is something different about the Lord giving us gifts. There's something different about saying that what we see in Ephesians 4 and what we see at New Community comes from Jesus. The start is with Jesus. That's my first point, my second point. You see how fast I'm moving? Take a deep breath, I'll be done. Secondly, The scripture says that the gifts came for the church. Uh, Ephesians 4 and 11. I'll read this part again. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Of course, we know that Paul is talking to a local church. He's writing to a local community um, in Ephesus. That, that what he writes is read by other churches around it. The way uh, this uh, took shape is people would receive the letters of Paul, and while they would be directed to the church at Ephesus, um, the church in Chicago, Gary would come along, and uh, folks from their church would come and hear what the letter to the Chicago Christians said, and folks in Cow City might do the same thing. Uh, nobody wanted to write to the church at Downers Grove, so they might have to get a copy of that letter. And I don't mean to diss anybody from Downers Grove. Just, you know, sometimes when you don't write stuff down, things just come to you, right? Uh, I should have said Glen Ellen. Anybody from Glen Ellen this morning? 
okay, let's just Glen Ellen. Okay, so uh, no, but no apostle would write to the saints at Glen Ellen. So uh, they would come and try to get a copy of the letter or have somebody come from Chicago to read them the letter uh, that was written to the saints in uh, Chicago. So that's kind of what's happening in Ephesians. And, and, and Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to a local church, uh, knowing that other churches are, are reading and encountering what he's saying. But we tie the gifts to the church, <clears throat> to the faith community, not, not so much to the wider world. It's important that, that these, the, you see these gifts as different from the, say, fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, where we talk about the qualities of a Christian, the characteristics of the spiritual life, the evidence that shows you really are a believer. Those are the gifts, the characteristics that make you who you are. If you claim to be a Christian you, and you don't love people, well, we know you're not a Christian. If you claim to be a Christian and you don't know how to stand under others as they suffer, you don't know how to be patient with one another, you don't know how to control yourself, that's what Galatians talks about, the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're wondering whether or not you're a Christian, read Galatians 5 and you'll walk away knowing you're not a Christian or you are a Christian because, because that's the, the, the scriptural sort of a teaching on that evidence. These aren't those qualities. These assume those, but these are the abilities, the graces, and the skills that God gives us for us. Um, it's what Parker Parmel called the grace of great things. It's Jesus, in other words, saying, for the world and for your own Christian life, you need fruit. You need like an orange cut up in segments. For the church, for the community of believers, you need these gifts. So what the Holy Spirit presents to us um, are those things that this church needs to be this church. Are you hearing me this morning? The Holy Spirit given gifts are uh, the, the, the ingredients for this local church's effective ministry. These gifts will be different from the church down the boulevard. These gifts will be different from your home church that you came from. These gifts will be different from uh, the church you will go to if we let you leave this church. <laughs> well, some of y'all, we want to leave. Let me just be clear. And, and I'm, uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, sort of, kind of. Uh, no, 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 we're, we're, we're not trying to get rid of members. I don't want Pastor Caitlin to be, we, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying, to, we're trying to nurture and grow you. We're not trying to get rid of you. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What, what you need at New Community may very well look like what you needed at your last church. But it may be very different. Because the Spirit gives gifts for the church you're in. That's my second.
My third point is that the gifts are particular. Paul is not ambiguous when he writes to the church in Ephesus saying, what you need to be a church is vague and unclear and gray and nonspecific. Paul says, here's what you need. And not only what you need, but here is what God has provided. Now, this list is a controversial list for some people. There, you know, there are people who get paid to fight about what Scripture says. And um, the Bible scholars and theologians, um, uh, and not just Bible scholars and theologians, but people uh, get paid to talk about Scripture. Then there are people who love Scripture, who fight about it and talk about it, fight about it in a good way. And, uh, some of those people will look at this list and they will say that this is a list um, that is so specific to the church in Ephesus that it has no meaning for the church right now. That when Paul says that Christ gave gifts to the church, and those gifts include apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, that those five gifts or those five words are roles that, that were important for the church before, but they aren't important for the church now. And then there are people uh, who will say, that makes absolutely no sense because, I mean, we'd have to say that about all of the Scripture, right? I mean, all the Scripture is context-bound, time-bound, specific to a time and a date stamp. And if you say that what Paul says in Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 16 or 11 and 12 has no meaning for the church today, you'd have to say that about all of the New Testament. I mean, how can you differentiate between the relevance of this passage and the relevance of that passage? So, so people go back and forth. And I, I find, I, I'm a fighter. I like to start fights and then sort of lean back and just walk away. So I, I kind of like to, I'm, I'm sort of, um, but, but sort of where I am in this fight is uh, thinking that Paul is doing a little bit of both. That Paul is naming the particular gifts and roles that Jesus put in the church at that time. And that in some way, what Christians do with this passage is discern and interpret and apply the passage today. And, 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 and my point for us is not about the fight as much as it is about how Jesus has given gifts through the Spirit of Christ to the church, and those gifts have names. Those gifts have people. Uh, those gifts are embodied. So that when we say the word apostle and we go to church uh, at 5 West Ephesians Boulevard, we know that Paul is talking about her or him or this or that. That the gifts are particular. That when we talk about spiritual gifts and discovering them or, or noticing them or living into them or using them, we're not talking about something that we can't watch and embrace and celebrate and question. We're talking about one another. 
We're talking about what we see God having placed in one another. Finally, Paul reminds us that the goal of all Holy Spirit-given gifts is to equip God's people to build the church to keep coming to unity. Equip God's people build the church to keep coming to unity. I wonder if this morning as you uh, hear me, you can think about the gifts you have, the gifts you knew you had before last week, the gifts you've been thinking about since last week's sermon, the gifts you're thinking about right now. If you think about those gifts with a view toward building the church, equipping believers, pursuing unity, which Paul talks about in the earlier part of chapter 4, right? Uh, Pursuing unity, the bond of peace he talks about. And the scripture says that we measure up to this. Now, that word measure up, it, it's problematic because, you, know, it, you know, it's a kind of a judgment, right? I mean, if I were to ask you, uh, if, if you're sitting down in my office and we were almost knee to knee or close enough for me to look at you in your eye and I ask you the question, so are you measuring up to this? You might take it a little bit better. But listening to me now, you might take it as me sort of being judgmental. I want you to know I'm being judgmental right now with the scripture because... Scripture judges us, gives us a really good yardstick. And the judgment is, are we building up the church? You want to know if you have spiritual gifts and if you've discovered them yet? Here's the question. Are you building the church? Are you equipping other people for the mission of the church? Are there parts of your life where you are pursuing unity, um, uh, peace, the opposite of what you would think about division in your life. Uh, and, and Paul permits us, I think he tells us to say, gauge yourselves by this. Evaluate yourself uh, and, and, and wander into this discovery that is a discovery about spiritual gifts with the very concrete goals of where have I given other people what they need to live for Christ? I think Anthony's story is a part of that this morning, right? Where part of what um, the Chicago Urban Program does is equip people um, to live for Christ. Where am I doing that? In the church. You may be doing that outside of the church. You may be doing that in your work life. You may be doing that on your block. But Paul's question, again, Paul's question is not just contained to the church, but that's what he's talking about. He's not saying that these lessons don't matter for the rest of your life. Like, are you, 
Are you gossiping at your job? Uh, Did I see Amy? I'm going to pick on Amy. Okay, so Amy, I'm going to pick on Amy. Amy is an educator, and she works in a school. And if Amy is going to work tomorrow morning, and she's causing all kind of a ruckus, and she's messing with people, and she's talking about people, and she heard that this guy was dating this teacher, and he was last week dating that teacher, and so she's going to get into that business and start stirring up strife. She's being a very, very divisive person. She's not pursuing unity. She's causing all kind of fracture on that staff. And then the kids start hearing about it. Oh, Miss Haley, I heard that you knew the such and such. And then she's just causing all kind of mess, right? That's ridiculous. It's so funny because Amy wouldn't do it. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we did that at work, we would recognize that as crazy and messy and ridiculous and immature. And yet, and yet, and yet, do we point it out when we see it in church? It doesn't happen a whole lot in new community, and I'm glad to say that. Like, I, I came from a church where it happened one or two more times more. Uh, but, but, and I'm grateful that our church isn't the kind of church where that's sort of the order of the day. But we need to name that and thank God that we are pursuing peace and that we as a community are actually living into the Holy Spirit giving gifts when we don't put up with that mess and that when we pursue unity and that when we say, oh, you know what? You're saying you have this issue with Pastor Michael. Have you talked to Michael? Like that actually happens at New Community. And when that happens, that is us using our spiritual gifts. I think that we can see our ministries this way. And in your bulletin, uh, again this week, you had it last week, you have it again this week, uh, the sheet of roles in the church. And here's, does everybody have a bulletin? Because I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do two things with that sheet this morning. So take it out. Take it out um, and, uh, and, and have it there because I'm going to ask you to respond. And I'm going to ask everybody to do one of two things. And so I'm going to ask you to do that in a moment. But I wonder if our ministries can be seen this way as filtering our work together as God's people, as equipping, as building, as unifying as measuring up. Paul says that these spiritual gifts are for the equipping of the saints. They are for the adequacy of the dedicated. They are for the upbuilding of the committed. These gifts of the Spirit are for the continued equipping of those who are consecrated. They are for the adequacy of the dedicated. Here are questions that I want you to think about, and then I'm going to come to that piece of paper that you have. Reflection questions for us this week, for us to think about um, today and throughout the week. The first one is, what abilities, graces, and skills do I have, especially those that I didn't cultivate? All of us are gifted Um, All of us have things that we're good at. All of us have talents. All of us, you know, are smart. All of us are blessed and endowed with uh, blessings. Uh, And sometimes it's hard to differentiate 
uh, between, well, the spiritual gift versus the normal gifts. And I think that difficulty is wonderful because sometimes I get real sort of unified and say, why make a difference between what you're good at in the world and what God made you good at for the church? And I think that's really a healthy thing to talk about sometimes. Um, uh, so if you feel like, if you're experiencing me as being uh, a non-committed, I want to own that. And I want to say that a part of you being able to say, well, I'm just good at this. Can I just be good at this for the good of the church? Part of that is a spiritual gift, right? So don't get too, too tangled up in the complexity of it. But, but, but the question, the reflection question is, what am I good at? What uh, skill do I have? What grace do I have that, that I didn't necessarily cultivate? That is probably an indicator that you didn't go and achieve that, that you didn't go and pursue that because you were interested in it. It just sort of came to you, and you don't really have an explanation. It may be that that came from Satan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I just want to make sure you were still with me. I just want to make sure you're still with me. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, it may be that that's a spiritual gift. Second question here. So what are the needs in our church that I'm especially sensitive to or especially good at ignoring? Thinking about discovering your gifts, thinking about uh, embracing and obeying those holy invitations that come from God What needs in our church that when you hear about it, you find yourself saying, man, they haven't found somebody to do that yet. It just bothers me every time they bring that up. You mean we haven't accomplished that thing yet? What is wrong with us that we can't get this together? Why are they coming week after week talking about this? Now, some of you are just genuinely upset because, you know, you wish we would move on. But I'm not, and I'm not talking to you. That's another sermon for you. Who I'm talking to is the person who's saying, we have it, we have it, we have it in this church to meet that need. You may not realize it, but part of what's happening is, uh, is, that, is that, that, that spiritual dialogical conversation that's happening between you and the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is using you to convict yourself, saying, we have it. Well, I gave it to you. We have it in this church. It's in you. You're especially sensitive to it. <sighs> Or maybe you're just good at ignoring it. And when God is in your life, when the Holy Spirit resides in you, it takes work to ignore God's leadership. Um, when, we, we, don't, we don't say it this way a lot. I say it sometimes uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, uh, as a clincher uh, or a hook. You know, we, but, but, but I say it as meaningfully as I always say it. When you're saved, it's hard to disobey the Holy Spirit. Because salvation is God's claim upon you. It's not just the freedom that comes as a response to that claim. It is God saying, you're mine. You are mine. Come here, hug me, girl. Come here. That's, that's salvation. And when God is saying, come here, come here and hug me, man. Come here, come here. I love you. 
hard to unravel out of that embrace, to go and do the thing, to be the person that you know is not the one you are when you're in that embrace. It's hard to unravel. It's hard to... It's a, and so what happens is when you put all the effort in at ignoring God gave you this, do something with it. God has placed this in you for the church Why close that door? Why say no to that opportunity? Why are you doing this for the fifth time? Didn't you get this by now that I was was bringing this along for you to operate in what I gave you to do? You've gotten good at ignoring it. Does something come to mind as I talk to you about that this morning? Now, I'm not, I'm not just saying, because I'm not the pastor, I, and if I've approached you about leadership, you know I don't believe in rushing anybody in leadership. I'm part of small group ministry in this church, and the last person I want leading is the person I had to convince to be in small group. I don't want you. I don't need you. I won't let you serve in small group leadership. I won't. I won't. Um, I'm really good at telling people what they're not going to do, and uh, part of it's because I have a five-year-old, and I've gotten just good at it, you know. I mean... Um, It's a spiritual gift, praise the Lord. Um, And and I think part of it is, part of it is you got people like me who you feel like, oh, they need me to do something or, you know. Like I asked Pradeep, I asked Pradeep recently to do something, right, in church. And I pick out people who I know I can, you know, you can take it, right. And I told Pradeep, "I I don't want you to think this has to be decided yesterday. I'm asking you today, let's talk in a few months, right. So go pray. And then you'll say yes, you know. Um, uh, <clears throat> no, I mean, I probably said that too. But what, what he knows that I mean is, is if, if the answer is no, it's great. Where has God gifted us for this other need? Because it's not in him. It's somewhere else. Last question. Where are the places I can commit to serving now in the church? Where are the places uh, where I may be able to commit to serving in the future with minimal changes in my life? Where are the places that I can commit to serving in the future that will make me make major changes in my life? See, when we think about spiritual gifts, we think, I know this has happened. Like, I remember, I probably said this announcement at least 10 times, right, in the course of we are running out of such and such leaders. If you're here today and you can lift your arms, stand up. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the, we need you now. And a part of that is going to happen in a church that grows, that has people coming. Um, and when those things and appeals are made, you're going to know that those are those kinds of appeals. And we tend to think that that's it. That's all the church ever has is those kinds of appeals. And so we never give ourselves the space and the luxury to ask these questions and say, no, but if God gave me something in particular, God gave me something that could address a particular need of this church, what would that be? That's what I'm asking you. Part of me is grateful because I, I, we're, we're not motivated to get slots filled. So I'm not, you know, that we're not feeling that sort of pressure in a sense. Uh, so that sheet you have is not like, I mean, we, we set goals and hopes and we talk about, well, if we had these many uh, greeters, 
uh, in church. You know, how many doors do we have, right? Okay, so can we cover those doors and all these steps? So we, can, we do that because we want to be responsive to people who are coming who need to be hugged by somebody on a Sunday, right? And who need to be held and loved and, and smiled at because you're going to work tonight and ain't nobody going to smile at you. You know, you need somebody to smile. Has anybody smiled at you this morning? Look, y'all look mean at me. Smile and look at the person close to you because you're looking at me. Look at, don't look at me now. Look at the people close to you. Like, uh, and especially if it's your spouse, you better smile. Smile, offer a kiss, you know, put an arm around. If it's not your spouse, don't give them a kiss. Uh, No. But there's room for us, and I think this is a part of what we've been doing over the course to say that the Holy Spirit is active in our church. The Holy Spirit has always been working to please and to praise Christ in this church. And that is still happening, and a part of that happening is by us recognizing that that Spirit gives us things for the church. That sheet, look at it. Um, if you filled it out last week, the first part of it, the first part of it you don't have to attend to. But if you didn't answer any of those questions, those are specific roles that we have identified um, that meet different parts of the mission of our church. They don't meet the totality of the mission of our church but they are things that we're doing, that we're actively doing and trying to keep doing, and we need people with gifts to respond in using those gifts, okay? Now turn that over and get a pencil. You remember those things, pens and pencils? Uh, uh, they're writing instruments. You used to write with them. Now you got, we punch them in our phones. But take, take, flip that, is it green or is it blue? I can't remember. Last week it was, what, orange? What is that color? Blue. Flip that over. And for everybody, whether or not uh, you looked at the other side, for everybody, what I want you to do is take a minute or two and to start answering one of these questions up here, one of these reflection questions. And just to spend half a minute to a minute or two because part of it is, does everybody have one? Everybody have one? Everybody have, if you don't, raise your hand. If you don't have a blue sheet, oh, okay. So, yeah, I didn't have us print out enough for everybody exactly. <laughs> What's up? The connection card. So, so you have a connection card. Take your connection card or take somebody else's connection card and begin to answer Uh, The connection card is the green one, the smaller one. Begin to answer some of these questions over the next minute or two. Because here's the thing. Part of what we would love to happen is for the needs that the leaders in this church have discerned to be real credible needs, that those get met. And then the church is sitting here saying, look how God has gifted me. What do I do now? All of our needs are met. I'm still gifted. What do I do? So what I want you to do is take a minute and to query your soul about what God has given you. And we'll get to the other stuff about what do we do with you, about how do we place you in this, about what are the rest of the needs in this church that as a church must be present because the gifted of God are present. 
So take a few moments. And then you'll hear some music, and then we'll sing.